Strachan and Bell together. There's Cooper breaking through. A chance now. This will be the fourth goal for Aberdeen. Cooper puts it in with good measures. Well, suddenly it's become a rout. Of course, when things are going wrong against you, you don't get the breaks of the ball. Cooper in with Stewart. He didn't really know where the ball was, but he got the break. And as you say, it's a schoolboy's dream being able to take your time. Knowing that really, all you've got to do is crack it into the back of the net. Hello and welcome to the latest episode of the AFC Here We Go podcast. Um, the positivity of last week's episode um, has been slightly dented um, following two, shall we say, not so good results through the week. But we're still going to cover them anyway. Uh, unlike others, we don't go into hiding. So my name's Martin. As always, um, I'm joined, with, joined again by Richard. Hey, how are you doing, Richard? <laughs> slightly dented positivity. There's another statement to kick off the show. <laughs> Yeah, I thought well, I didn't. I didn't want to start with too much doom and gloom, so I thought we'll just you know we'll 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 tell a little lie um, that it's going to be you know just a little bit down rather than all the way down. Don't want to chase away all the listeners. That's what it is, Richard. Um, and we'd like to welcome back. It's been a long time, but you know um, when we started this podcast many many years ago, there was the well either the three Stooges or the three amigos. But either way, we've put the band back together this week and welcome back, Grant Fiskin. Hi Martin, good to be back, although I feel a bit of a jinx this week by what's happened, but uh, we'll try and battle through that. We'll, we'll get we'll get through it, yeah. So we'll get straight we'll get straight into it. Uh, the first leg, uh, away to Rijeka in the Europa League qualifiers. Richard, you look at the start at eleven. It was no, it was as we would have expected. With the benefit of hindsight, do you think that the manager got the start at eleven right? I know it's early in the season, but towards the end of the game, some of the guys were really struggling in those conditions. Yeah, well, that, that's a different argument, isn't it? In terms of the starting eleven, I, th- I don't think anyone would have had too many complaints with the names that were picked. He could perhaps have been a bit more cautious, gone with the extra body in midfield. But the fact is, your only fit midfielder is Dean Campbell, and he's more a defensive player. I, I wonder if Craig Bryson had been fit, even if Stephen Gleeson maybe had been fit, whether or the situation with him had been clarified, because the silence over him is becoming more and more concerning. But yeah, I wonder if Bryson had been fit, whether we would have gone with the three uh, more established midfielders in the, in the middle, rather than going Ferguson, Ojo to kind of hold and then... Hedges further up the pitch So I don't really have too many complaints with the starting 11 But certainly when it comes to the tiredness and the heat of the occasion I felt we, t- we took a long time to bring our subs on and try and change things up Not necessarily because things weren't going in our favour But because of the conditions And I thought when we won in Raika in 2015 it, His use of the subs was very smart that night They came at good points And... Uh, that wasn't so much the case on Thursday. Grant, I mean, the, the 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 theme of the match just seemed to be that we struggled whenever we had the ball. Very much like the away leg and away game in Georgia against um, Chakura. It seemed to be as soon as we got on the ball, it was very laboured. I thought we gave it away far, far too easily. Yeah, I actually was pretty happy with the way we were organised. It's just I think we put so much into the defensive organisation that 
it didn't seem to be that great an attacking plan. I mean, as you mentioned, like the game in Georgia, I think we, we were so cautious we let them dictate the tempo. And I, th- I think we let Rijeka do the same. But funny as it seems, this Rijeka team's not as good as the one we beat 3-0 over there. As you say, we just we just couldn't keep the ball. Despite that, it was quite frustrating with how poor our passing was and how much we kept giving the ball away. But I was still pretty happy with how things were going. They weren't creating anything from open play. The only problems they were giving us was from... They were pretty creative from corners, and I'm not entirely sure why we were struggling so badly with those corners, which had their chan- their massive chance in the first half. But for that first hour, I didn't see us any problems, and that was the, you could tell the crowd were getting on their back. And if McInnes' plan was to keep it that tight for the first 60, 70 minutes, then use the substitutes, and then look for the away goal, I could see where he was coming from. But, yeah, of course, obviously, we'd have hoped that Ojo and Ferguson particularly would have kept the ball a little bit better I thought they were a bit careless and the one person I actually thought he did hold the ball up okay was Cosgrove I think he didn't have much of the ball but he was pretty effective at holding up when he got it and I don't think their defence liked playing against him but it was just around him there was there was so much distance around him that it was pretty much impossible for us to keep it for too long I think that's fair, Richard. Uh, Cosgrove did definitely seem to be kind of, seem to be isolated up there. Uh, there was a lot of bit, lot of aimless punts up the park. Some, some that he got, that he kind of, he managed to get a get to, uh, but nobody really following him up as well. And it's it was that just that a kind of a fairly regular surrender in a possession. Grant's one hundred percent right. The first hour really there was nothing particular in the game. I don't think they there was maybe what there was one chance where I think we got off with one in the in the first half. You know, we just didn't seem to to try and play any kind of football. It was very kind of very snatching at everything. Yeah, just just accepting that there's nothing in the game is it is not enough, I don't think, to get through at this stage. I mean, obviously, we knew it was going to be a big step up in quality. You go from being a seeded team in the first couple of qualifiers to being unseeded in this stage. And obviously, last week, we were talking up the chances. There were far worse draws we could have gotten this round. I think a lot of people are probably making too much of the fact that we went there four years ago and won because obviously it's a totally different way like a team with a totally different manager. I think it remains to be seen whether they're, they're actually going to be better or worse. So certainly Igor Biscan's come in and he's uh, he, he seems to turn things around there and once they got the opener, certainly they were smart, they were inventive, there's a lot more movement up front. They looked a little bit laboured whilst it was still nil-nil and a little bit wary of us probably when really we gave them no justification on the night to be wary of us because we we couldn't pass it through our midfield, we couldn't get anything going. Uh, I don't think Ojo had a great game, I thought it was one of Lewis Ferguson's poorest games in an Aberdeen shirt. It was really a kind of mega mix of all the kind of worst traits of the uh, of the poorest away European performances that we've had under McGuinness. There was the, the struggle to look like a football team and the heat that we had in Apollon. There was, as you said, echoes of, of what we'd done in Georgia earlier in the season. Yeah, even if you go back to the Fola Esch game, that had the same kind of lack of inventiveness and difficulty of getting the striker into play that we had on Thursday night. It it was it was a poor evening all round, but but yeah, I think it's probably fair to say that we were coping with what they had until that ludicrous intervention by Shea Logan for the penalty kick, which was both ludicrous and exceptionally daft, but also fairly soft. I think both of those facts can exist in the same universe. The guy certainly, for lack of a better term, he's looking for it. It, it, come, it, it does. It comes out of nowhere. Lewis is safely dealing with that ball, and for some reason, Logan has decided he's going to be holding on to the guy's shirt. And the guy, you know, 
he throws himself down, but uh, the letter of the law, it's a penalty. You just you you can't reg- legislate for brain failures like that, can you? Oh, it's it's just a sw- it just switched off concentration wise. I mean, the back four had been pretty good at, up to that point in dealing with everything, but you can just see Logan just. As soon as he turns around, as the ball comes in, he, know, he panics. He's lost his man. He just—it's a natural reaction. It's one of the inexplicable things. It's like when these penalties get given away from a corner when a defender puts his hand up where he's heading it and he heads it away. You just can't explain it. He just panics, pulls him back. It's a penalty. I mean, you can see it's soft and he looks for it, but he just, it doesn't help him that the pull, the pull of the shirt is so obvious. It just makes it look even more uh, exaggerated, and obviously. The ball is nowhere near that striker, but when Logan turns around and sees he's lost his man, it's just a, a panic, panic stations. It's just that automatic reaction, and he knows as soon as he's done it, up, oh, you just tell his reaction. He's like, oh, he can't believe it, and it's, it, I think it's kind of been a symptomatic of a Logan feature. He's he's having a bit more of these lapses of concentration, and obviously we've got the new guy Viner in, but I, th- I think it's just a, a accumulation of. Him not having enough any competition in that position for almost the entire time he's been here. It must have been so frustrating for the whole team that just that one switch, one second switch off at that level, and it's proved costly. But if you look in the build-up before that goes, it's not just Logan's mistake because you have the guy who ends up winning the penalty kick is coming back from an offside position and he doesn't have to come right back in front of Logan to get onside because Andy Constantine inexplicably is three or four yards behind the rest of the defence. He can stay behind Shea Logan and stay on the blind side of Shea Logan before that penalty call. So so if your defence is operating as an entire unit, then you don't have that issue in the first place. I thought... Throughout the match, Logan did okay with dealing with the threat on his side. I thought Greg Lee got beaten repeatedly, time after time after time. They were getting in behind him, finding space. And it kind of happened again today, actually. Um, so, you know, we, we have enthused about what Greg Lee can do for us offensively. But, you know, some nights we're going to need a left-back who can definitely defend. And right now, the jury is very much out on whether Greg Lee is able to do that. And we find ourselves we find ourselves one 0 down. Obviously, they converted the penalty. Recap quite understandably. No, I think at one 0 they were they basically just trying to see out the game. They didn't. They weren't really very were being very adventurous. Um, Richard, you mentioned earlier on it took seventy five minutes uh, for us to make some changes. You saw Gallagher McGinn come off for Wright and Campbell. I'll put it to you. Go being one 0 down, the away goal becomes even more important. Uh, I don't think those that was particularly the right change. Uh, what would your view be on that one? Well, one now is a difficult result to come back from. There's no question about that. However, two now is almost impossible to come back from. I wouldn't have been that unhappy had we just taken our medicine at 1-0 and, and come away from the evening with that. I can understand bringing on Dean Campbell and trying to get a bit more of a grip in the midfield because that's something we never really had all night. And because we were continually chasing the ball, because we only had about 35% possession, it meant that, obviously, in that heat... We were looking tired, we were struggling, and I think with the second goal you can see that. There's a pretty sustained period of uh, period of possession from Rayeka, just moving the ball about quite comfortably until they score that second goal. And I think a lot of that is down to the energy which we've already expanded, uh, expended that evening. So we've discussed Scott Wright to a blue in the face in this podcast. I mean, again, he gets an opportunity 
I, I can't help but link into today's performance because that's obviously still fresh in my mind. He gets an opportunity again to start tonight and uh, this afternoon rather, and once again doesn't really have any impact on the game, and he certainly had no impact on the game on on Thursday. Uh, Gallagher was, as I've seen from John Gallagher for each of the past European games, he's he's got a good engine. He gets up and down the pitch. He links quite well, but his touch isn't very good. He's not terribly creative. I, I don't think long term John Gallagher will be in this team once everyone's up to fitness as we head into the uh, the cooler months of the season into the end of September, start of October. Once everyone's up to up to full speed, uh, and Campbell from again, I, I think I don't think any of the attacking players could have complained about coming off. Absolutely, there's quite a big gap between that first goal and the first substitution. That 15 minutes, and if you think about how Rijeka were playing and the speed they were playing before a nil nil. And the lift they got at 1-0 and they started to ping the ball about, that was quite a difference change in tempo. And it would be difficult for our players to kind of react to this. They would start to feel more tired. You have to think you had to make at least one substitution within five minutes of the goal, or but not 15 minutes. I think they just left that a little bit too late. Yeah, I'd agree with that. I think, that. I think the change was too late, definitely. Whether it would have had any material impact on things is another question, but I do. But yeah, I do think you left it too late. You may not necessarily trust the fringe players, and again, talking about today, he's been given another reason not to trust those fringe players, but in terms of protecting the legs, trying to get a bit of energy into the team, it probably should have been made earlier, yeah. We find ourselves hot with, um, I don't even want to call it a sucker punch, because I thought it was quite a quite a decent goal, actually, the boy Muric, Muric for them, seems to be quite a good player. Second goal comes in 87 minutes, uh, gets away from Campbell, uh, curls one into the bottom corner. As we've, as we've mentioned, Grant, I mean, they, they were, the players were, were, were tiring in the heat, they were struggling. It's just, it's devastating to lose that away goal. I think Richard, no, Perhaps yeah, one nil isn't isn't terrible. Two nil just makes it. It seems it seems it's almost insurmountable now, isn't it, Grant? Um, well, if you're wanting a statistical view, it's a seventeen percent chance if you're going through all European history. So it's not quite impossible. And we have done it once before, although a very very different time. But actually, the substitution I was most surprised with was the last one, putting Main on and Cosgrove at the same time. As much as an away goal is important against that team. I would have taken the 1-0 at that point Fancy the chances of taking it back to Vitaudry and But yeah, the second goal I just can't see us keeping a clean sheet in the second leg Having to score four I think would be now and impossible And I think we could have done more for the goal I think Campbell gets done a bit too easily I think McKenna and Considine Both are desperately trying to get out But they're just too late And it is a great finish But I think at that point when Main came on We were just caught in a bit too much between going for the way goal or still trying to defend and I think we just lost a bit of our shape obviously as you say Muric did look a good player I think he was expected to be one of their main players and he didn't start but yeah it it did seem like a pivotal blow in the tie and that's kind of what I mean earlier on about having to rely on Dean Campbell Dean Campbell's a fantastic prospect and we obviously all hope that he goes on to fulfil the potential that he clearly has but is he at the point where you can properly rely on him in these situations? And I know he started at Ibrox in a cup win and he's come on and made a, a good contribution in, in games at Parkhead, but those 15-20 minutes, I mean, it's the sort of game that Craig Bryson would have been bought for. He's your marquee summer signing and he's still not there. He's still not ready to, to play a part. It's really disappointing and 2-0 does make it 
more or less impossible. And 17% is the number you find, Grant, and that's that's far more optimistic than the numbers I was seeing, uh, which I think are more weighted to recent years, which look like it's about 8% uh, that go through in European qualifiers in this situation. And uh, frankly, I'm not even sure I'd put our chances at 8%, to be honest. Well, with, the, with, the, with that out of the way, we headed to Paisley today to take on St Mirren. Quite a few changes in this one as well. Zach Viner, as we mentioned, he, he was brought on loan from Bristol City. 22-year-old um, defender, centre-back and right-back he can play at. He was on the bench against Rijeka, of course. So we had a raft of changes. Cosgrove misses out with a hamstring injury. So we saw Viner come in. Uh, Main's first start for Aberdeen. And right in McLennan in. And we see Cosgrove, Logan, Gallagher and McGinn all out. The last three, obviously, on the bench. Richard, you've, you've mentioned there about the fringe players. Really, they've not taken their chance. We, we, you were obviously looking for better from guys like that. I, I feel that we're going to go over old ground here with Scott Wright because there's very little you can say about him. Very briefly, you see some talent and you see a like good goal or something from him. But when he comes in and gets a big opportunity today against what is a, a, one of the teams that you'll be looking that they'll be at the bottom bottom end of the league at the end of the season one of the guys that just didn't impress at all. No, I'm not going to go too, in too harsh on the fringe players because I think it's only fair that absolutely everybody gets a share of criticism for this from what was a, a pretty woeful team display, uh, especially that opening half hour when you knew that Samoa in the first home game of the season under a new manager who's a bit of a fan favourite, of course they were going to be up for it and we just didn't meet that whatsoever. It's like, you know, we couldn't be arsed with a game. It's like, it seemed an inconvenience for too many of us. You know, the weather added to that. We just didn't seem up for it, which is really unforgivable. OK, to talk about some of those fringe players, there's been a lot of calls for, for Shea Logan to uh, to lose his place, to, to be dropped. I mean, of the five goals we've lost in Europe this season, two of them are directly attributed attributable to him. So you can't really complain from that perspective. But to me today, Zach Viner looked like a centre-back playing at right-back, which is, again, something we'd hoped to move on from. And he looked fairly uncomfortable all game. Over on the other side, Greg Lee starts again. And again, they get a lot of joy in, be- in behind him almost immediately. And that's where the goal comes from. In the middle, Ojo, Ferguson, poor games. Ferguson for the third game running, really. Just not quite there, just not quite clicking. I said it all last season... He's had to play pretty much constantly. Relying on him as a 19-year-old is, is, is too much. It's too much to ask. But yeah, you get Wright coming in and you get McLennan coming in. Wright, time and time again, we've spoken about him. Just He's not able to influence games for us when he's at a stage of his career where he needs to be. On the other side of the pitch, Conor McLennan, a guy who was able to influence games repeatedly last season. This And, and that was his real attribute, his real skill that he brought well, he has to know that right now there's a lot of competition for those wide berths, so he can't come in this season and just and just be half arsed. He has to be on it right away, or he's not going to see the sort of first uh, first team action he saw last last year. But no one can really get uh, plus marks from today, and I haven't even come to Curtis Main yet, who I feel a little bit sorry for because obviously. The supply simply wasn't there. We spent, again, the first half hour on a sodden pitch where balls were just skating off and going straight out of play, playing into the corners for him, which was daft. I mean, adapt to the conditions. You've warmed up in that pitch. You know how it's going to play, surely. We finally get a degree of control. 
but he looks so far away from being a goal threat. It's unreal. It's exactly what we expected, I think, if not worse. It's the worst case scenario from when we brought him in. It's another non-goal scoring striker. And the frustration with that is, if that was a plan, then Hedges and Ferguson had to get closer to him, had to try and get beyond him. And that never really happened all day long. It's just a, a really bad day for anyone in red who was on that pitch and for the manager who basically got outthought by uh, Jim Goodwin for the entire game. Out, outthought at the starting lineups, outthought through every change, just bested by him. And uh, that's that's quite a statement. Grant, we've uh, we mentioned James Wilson quite a lot on here as well. If if a way to St Mirren in the league isn't isn't the kind of game that you can start James Wilson in, when can you start him? And to, to bring him on in the eighty sixth minute as well with his little piece of paper, it just seems completely. I mean, why would you leave it that long? But he just McInnes seems certain that he wants either Cosgrove or Main to play that role. And as you say, I'm not entirely sure. Where he's seeing Wilson playing in there Exactly These are the type of games If he's supposed to got this class Which we have seen on flashes at times St Mirren has to be the kind of game You play him in And for somebody who's got such a good shot on him Is one of the things that Frustrated me the most today was Okay we were limited to long range efforts But that conditions That's the worst kind of conditions for a goalkeeper If you're going to be putting shots in Make sure a couple of them bounce in front of them to test him we were just blazing them high and high and wide. And at least the Wilson would probably wanted to probably get at least one or two of his shots on target. But I don't know, was he thinking of, of Thursday in mind? That's the only thing I could think. But Or maybe he's just that stubborn that he's going to be playing Cosgrove or Main. It's, it's going to be his first choice. And as Richard said, I mean, you, you can criticise some of the fringe players, but I, I'm not going to criticise Main because he played exactly as I expected him to. We know he's a limited striker. We've seen it plenty of times from Motherwell. He's got... He can bully players as he did against us in the semi-final a couple of years ago but as for the rest of it there's nothing we don't know about and this is exactly how we expected and feared as Richard said. Wilson is that one player who, whose movement's great Okay, his finishing seems to be a bit hit and miss but he's the one player that could have def- definitely given St Mirren some alternative problems but I totally agree with Richard is saying the Viner looks like a, a centre-back at right-back. It's just that fear that's happening again. That's not proper competition for Logan. That's just a considine on the other side again. And it was very alarming how much St Mirren in the first half hour got in behind our two full-backs. And, yeah, this does seem to be happening quite a bit with Greg Lee, as uh, Richard mentioned about the Rijeka game. It really affected Considine and McKenna as well, because they were all over the place, because I don't really think they knew what was what was coming from their full-backs. The one, the one player I was most disappointed with today, I think, was Ojo. He, he, I think he's the one who could point the finger. I didn't fancy, look like he fancied being there. He, he's, he's got this little, kind of little lazy streak in him. I think he's just, I don't know if it's careless or lazy or just at times he just seems to switch off. And then in the second half, when it was kind of pointless, he was there because McKenna and Constantine were getting the ball. You'd expect he'd be the one coming short to get the ball, but he'd obviously been the, the centre half has been told to pump up to main. So kind of Ojo was kind of in this no man's land where the ball was just going past him and back again and past him, and that's what makes it even more strange that Wilson came on in the 86th minute for Lee and why Ojo was still on there. It's there was just lots of strange things happening today that, that yeah you can't explain. I think what I will say about uh, Curtis Wayne is he he managed to get himself into the game more as it went on because the first 30 minutes he he may as well have been 
playing a different pitch somewhere else than Paisley. Just by pure effort and pure work rate, managed to get himself a bit more involved, a bit more, a bit more engaged in the game, helping to bring other players in occasionally. Came relatively close by the standards of our chances today with uh, with one shot. Did you think he would score? No, I mean it was in, like I said last week about. Cosgrove with that chance against Hearts early on. It's, it's weird. You just expected him to score, which was obviously night and day from where he was 12 months ago. But put Curtis Mane in that position. Is he going to score? No. He's going to, he's not even going to have, he's not going to have the confidence to even try and score. He's going to try and play it across to James Wilson, who was running out with him, and, and he would get it wrong. That's kind of where we're at today. It was, I don't want to single anybody out because I don't think anybody deserves to pass marks. Not a great display, not really very well thought out from the manager either, I didn't think. I, I did enjoy Maine's disallowed goal, though. That was the only um, <laughs> um, enjoyable bit of the game for me, I think. <laughs> well, I mean, it goes, to, it goes to show that the referee does actually know some of the rules, I suppose. I liked his uh, pleading his innocence as well, as if uh, he hadn't done anything. So you can't, you can't uh, accuse him of not trying, at least. And, uh, you mentioned there, Grant, as well, obviously, we're restricted to a lot of long shots. Not obviously 100% serious with this one, but will we see a worse free kick in Scottish football this season than that one from Lewis Ferguson? It wasn't great, was it? I thought it was a fairly <laughs> ambitious distance for a start. But I, I, if it was a normal conditions that he'd gone from there, I'd think, what are you doing? But in those conditions, I thought, well, OK, maybe if he was just a dipper at the keeper, fine. But, oh, God, uh, it was uh, closely followed by McKenna's one in the second half. I think he was still trying to dine off his Kilmarnock one from that strike. But, uh, yeah. yeah. <laughs> Careful what you wish for him. There's a long time in the season for a worse free kick to come. So, Richard, after an hour, we finally see some changes. McLennan and Wright, they come off. McInnes goes to goes with what he trusts, what he knows. He brings on Gallagher and McGinn. If, you know, if, the, if the 11 that started, to have to take the blame as well. These, these two guys came on. You know, Niall McGinn is you know, as experienced as you're going to get um, in the Scottish Premier League. And there's two, he just they just didn't inf- make put any influence on the game at all, did they? Just it didn't it didn't change a thing. No, but again, part of the issue, and it was the same with uh, Wright and McLennan, was that the ball didn't get out to them quick enough so that it could isolate their fullbacks. We just never moved it through the the areas of the, the non-threatening areas of the pitch quick enough to get it out to our creative guys. You know, as much as I can criticise Scott Wright for again failing to influence the game, was he given the right supply? Was it being fed out to him quick enough? And no, it wasn't. I, again, we I appreciate the conditions weren't fantastic and probably didn't lend themselves to nice football but but Simone played some good stuff Simone concentrated on playing on the break mainly definitely after they got the opening goal but they were calm and they were measured when they tried to break we yet again for yet another away game uh, this season and it's bizarre because you know last year we were we were pretty terrible at home and uh, we were very good away from home. It wasn't exactly flowing stuff a lot of the time away from home, but we were rigid, we knew what our jobs were, and we were capable of getting results. It looks the exact opposite this season. You know, I guess the acid test will be Thursday, whether we, we can actually produce a storming home performance. But didn't change anything, Gareth, from McGinn coming on. In fact, we'd had, we'd had a reasonable start to the second half in terms of territory and possession, and you know, creating half chances around the box, and then for the next fifteen minutes or so, really, we we kind of fell out of the game when we made those subs. So it didn't help matters. I, I take issue with you. I, as I say, I don't think Gallagher will see too much 
starting action once once everybody's fit, once guys like Bryson are fit. But Nam again, I mean, he had the biggest chance we had all game. Should he do a little bit better? Possibly. There were options in the middle. I think he was justified in going for the shot. I definitely think he should hit the target from where he was. And of course he didn't. The one thing I would say about the substitutes was the thing for them was by the time they'd come on, St Mirren had pretty much shut up shop. They, they were more than happy to get as many people behind the ball as possible and just take anything on the counter-attack they could. And also, that's when we started to go a bit more direct. Yeah, you did say the, the ball wasn't out to right and McLennan enough, but I think it was out enough in the first hour that they should have contributed far more and caused St Mirren far more problems. In this situation, we've got like four decent wingers. You've got to hope the guys who start put enough pressure on the defence that to give them problems so that when the next guys come on, they're not as comfortable as the St Mirren defence was. I mean, there was nothing we offered today that caused St Mirren any any problem whatsoever it was just exactly what they were wanting and to be so predictable against such a a poor team a team who's been so many new faces themselves in the past week or two at a disastrous League Cup campaign lost last week pressure on first game of the season and uh, home game of the season and to just be so predictable and offer so little it's it's, it's so frustrating Well that leads us to Of course we've got The second leg Of the Europa, of the Europa League uh, Rijeka visit Petodri This coming Thursday we've, we've obviously Already discussed Rijeka there Personally I didn't think they were I wouldn't say They were impressive I think there was, there was Definitely talent in there I mean I think It would have been fair To say that Going into the game And then judging them Based on what they Showed against us they, they they were or perhaps maybe still are beatable. You know, as good as we've been at home in Europe, uh, which I think, and I'm sure Richard will be able to correct me if I'm wrong in this, under McInnes, I think we've only lost uh, lost one European game at home. We've got to go into this one with a, shall we say, slightly suspect defence that aren't performing well at the moment, simply can't concede. We have to kind of approach the second leg in a similar way we did the first, as in... I think the crowd's going to be expecting us to go at them from the start. With that 2-0 scoreline, if we're still 0-0 after an hour, then that's the time I think we should go for it. Because if, then if you get one goal, that's when Rijeka would start to panic. If we go for it from the start and then concede a goal after 10 minutes and then the whole atmosphere just dies and you need four, it's pretty much game over. It just seems like this third qualifying round syndrome again. Apart from Sociedad, it's just another case of a team that we know we can beat. But there, is there a mental block or is there just, just that too big an element of caution that's going to stop us getting through this round? I mean, if everybody's fit, I would probably start with the same team that started the first leg. Now, obviously, there's a massive, massive question mark over Cosgrove now. Their defence didn't seem like they enjoyed playing against him. If he's anywhere near fit, I think McInnes is going to risk him. I'm not sure I would change any other position from the first leg and try and keep it reasonably tight with a little bit more attacking attendant in the first half then take it to the last half an hour and then have a go. At least keep us in the tie as long as possible. Keep the crowd involved and then put the pressure on them and not just give it away because one thing that has been very synonymous with these third qualifying rounds is, as you said, we haven't lost, or we have only lost, I think, to Sociedad under McInnes at home, but we have conceded some stupid away goals in those home games and they've always, always proved costly for us. So it's just trying to find that happy medium, but yeah, it's going to be a difficult task. To sort of back up that point, Grant, uh, we may have only lost the once, but I, I think there's only a, a couple of occasions where the home result 
that we've had would have been would have been the sort of result we're looking for on Thursday, and those have been against teams which are nowhere near the standard of Raika. Uh, obviously, the five nils over Daugava and Shikura. I think we beat, beat Ventspils three 0 didn't we? The the rush to kind of write off Raika as some kind of third rate hex side is 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 quite amusing to me. You know, I guess. We do that partly as a way to denigrate our own performance. You know, we were so shit because they were shit sort of thing. But, you know, they're a team that knows how to get to the Europa Leagues, knows what these competitions are about. Croatian football is obviously on a high at the moment. OK, fair to say that a lot of the um, a lot of the international players don't play home domestically. And uh, Rijka were a fair bit off the pace in the league last season. As it happens, they're 2-0 down tonight to Gorica in the league, which is a bit of a shock. I d- obviously don't know how many changes they've made since Thursday. Maybe they've got one eye in this coming Thursday at, at Petordry. I don't think it's completely gone, but again, like Grant, I can't see us keeping a clean sheet, simply because, again, we don't seem to keep clean sheets these days. We even let Hart score twice against us. Scoring against a quality team, it's not really been our 40 over the past couple of years. Of course, I hope we can do it. I, I hope it's a really memorable Pataudry night because if we do do it, it will be. It will be one of those nights that will live with you. Uh, and it's kind of worth getting a ticket just on the 8% or the 17% chance that it is one of those nights. I don't think it's utterly impossible, but I think it's on the very boundaries of uh, likelihood. Based on what we've spoken about today's game, uh, Richard, um, they, they obviously, uh, before the game, we found out it was apparently just a tight hamstring for Cosgrove, uh, so he stayed back in Aberdeen, he didn't even travel. You'll, we'll, we'll obviously find out more in the coming days. Curtis Mayne did nothing to deserve to, nothing to deserve a start um, against against Rijeka with his performance today if Cosgrove misses out. Do you, would, you per, would you then go with Wilson, or do you think, do they then look at, you know, we've spoken about young players perhaps you know, not being ready for... The kind of the, 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 those kind of situations. Do you then look at Anderson, perhaps? Uh, Stevie May didn't uh, didn't even make the bench today. He didn't. He did so either. So, uh, what do you, what do you look at if you know McInnes obviously has a way that he likes to play. Uh, he wants to play with that big guy up front. If Cosgrove isn't available, do you think he would just just settle for going with Maine then? I think it's inevitable he'll go with Maine. I mean, he talked about playing Maine being fit against Hearts. He would have started Maine last week, which means we probably would have been on. Possibly two points less than we even are now. I think it's inevitable he'll go with Maine, whether it's the right thing. I mean, right now, I'd, I'd take Stevie May ahead of, ahead of Curtis Maine, to be perfectly honest. At least we know that he can actually link with the other players and, and he will knock his pan in and try and create stuff for, for other people. But yeah, if Cosgrove misses out, you, you are right back to square one in terms of, you know, how are we going to get these goals? How are we going to punish them? Cosgrove is one of the few things right now that you can look at and say, right, OK, here's a guy on form. Here's a guy that gives us hope for Thursday. And if he does miss out, and apparently he's going for a scan on Monday, which in itself is not great news that he needs to go for a scan against what was reported pre-game that he just, you know, had a little bit of tightness there. It, it, it immediately puts a diner on the evening if, if you end up with Cosgrove being out. And uh, it just reduces that slim chance even further, I think. And I suppose when Richard and I have really milked us up missed this subject for all we can, uh, I think it's only fair we'll get your take on it as well. You know, we've managed to, we've managed to fend off so, some bids for Scott McKenna. Do you think that we'll still see him um, by, the end of the, by the end of our window as well? Um, um, well, at least the one thing is that he still seems to be playing. It doesn't seem to have affected him too much on the pitch. 
There's obviously stuff going on behind the scenes with his agent. The, the, the timing was so strange. If he was wanting to go at the end of the season, you'd understand it and think, okay, fine. Well, leaving it until then, he's obviously had a... Somebody's been in his ear. Obviously, there's a few more transfer windows still open until the end of the month. At least the club have got him in a long contract. They don't need to be... If he's still going to be putting on the performances on the pitch, another six months, January, I'm sure another bid will come in. He's obviously got Viner in that... Um, in case of that but then that leaves the right back position open again you'd look like you'd be fine with Devlin and Taylor as cover but can they be relied on with injuries that's also a problem Um, I mean we don't know either way but I think we'd be doing well if we get another six months out of him and then in January it would probably be off yeah, I mean, McInnes again reiterated this week that he will go. We're not daft. Everyone of an Aberdeen persuasion knows that he will go at some point. Again, I'm quite amused by those of a red persuasion that seem to delight in telling us that he's he's been poor for months, which frankly hasn't been the case. There was also a determination to attribute goals which really aren't anything to do with him to him. It's weird. It's I don't think it's exclusive to Aberdeen, but we've certainly seen a lot of it over the past few months with Scott McKenna. At least there wasn't a kind of negative reception to him today from the support base, which uh, which I think is is positive. Whether that is still the case, if this uh, these last two results becomes a trend over the next couple of months, then we wait and see because you know people need to find a scapegoat, don't they? That's a fair point. I think that you no, know, most of the the majority of us uh, recognise recognise a good player when we see one, and we know find that you know here's a guy who has you no know, has been has been good for us. You no, know, like every single one of them. You no, know, there's there's I don't think there's ever been an Aberdeen player who hasn't had at least one you know suspect game, shall we say? Um, so it will be interesting going forward. Um, obviously, we've got you know the pressing concern is Rijeka this Thursday. Um, you no, know, let's all hope. I'm sure we all everybody who is as Richard would say, a red persuasion um, is hoping for the. For a big performance, um, let's see. Hopefully, we can do, we can do it. Petodri will will I imagine be rocking if if we can get get one goal, and then who who knows where we can take it from there. But, so, with that being said, that is our podcast for the week. It's been a pleasure as always um, speaking to you all, Richard. I want to say thanks to you. Thanks once again for joining me. Uh, thanks, Martin. Uh, we gonna discuss the Dundee Cup tie, or we can we can talk about that. Yeah, obviously we're waiting. To... <laughs> We obviously awaited Dundee uh, on the Sunday. It's our it's the first stage of the Betfred Cup that we enter. We we, we risked fr- fringe players today, Richard. Do we risk fringe players for a, for what is you know a trophy, um, a proper trophy that we can go for, or do you have to try and these are these are how games that have to be won at all costs, aren't they? I mean, I still am mentally scarred by the Bertrand Bossu experiment. Um, away Correct. away to Kilmarnock and. <laughs> In the uh, League Cup about a decade ago under Jimmy Calderwood, so so I have no desire to see us treat the take this lightly whatsoever. And you know Dundee have had a, a busy window. They're um, obviously spending a reasonable amount of money to try and get straight back up into the Premier League. I think they will be slightly below the level at St Mirren were today. And by the way, I, I should say that I thought St Mirren looked very well drilled, very compact, thoroughly deserved their win today. And I think they'll be absolutely safe, probably towards the upper half of the bottom six, probably above Hearts, actually. But you can absolutely guarantee if we're off it for any reason whatsoever, then we're in danger. OK, Dens Park's a happy hunting ground for us, absolutely. But so have has St Mirren lately, and look look how that turned out. It's maybe the lesser of two cup competitions, if you offered me which one 
uh, you would like to win, you'd, you'd obviously always go Scottish Cup, but I'm certainly not going to tear my nose up at the League Cup. I, you know, I want to go as far as we can. I want to be at Hamden in uh, December and, and winning that trophy. So that starts at Dens Park on Sunday. And Grant Dundee aren't, aren't doing too bad so far this season. Obviously, I think they've got a w- one win and one draw in the league so far. They were very, very poor last season in the league. But no, but there has been a, there has been a big changeover at the club. Uh, you'd be look, they, I think they'd be probably one of the favourites to come directly back up as well. So they, they won't necessarily be, be mugs. They certainly won't be the, the the shambles that they were last season anyway, will they? Ah, absolutely. I mean, the the game on Sunday will be more difficult than a Dundee game last season. I mean, they had such a disastrous season last season. It'll be this this being back in the new campaign, okay, a league below, but back winning games in the League Cup, win yesterday. This whole atmosphere of the place will be will have changed. Depending on what happens to us on Thursday, you know, there could be a little bit of pressure on that game on Sunday now. And after the St Mirren result, if you go out, it depends how Rijeka goes. And then you come to Dundee and Dundee would fancy their chances, I think. They'd fancy the chances of having a go at us. But as you mentioned earlier, I don't think there's you can go for any risk of fringe players. you got to play your best team um, in that game. You cannot take anything for granted, as we've shown today. I mean, if he does get knocked out by Rijeka and Dundee in the space of a week, that's not a good situation we'd want to be in. And there's no getting away from the fact that, you know, um, Richard, that teams like teams like Dundee, you know, teams of the Championship or the lower lower end of the, of the of the Premier League, Aberdeen are regarded as a scalp. They'll be they'll be coming out, you know, looking to, looking to get a result, looking to send a message, looking to get that boost. That they'll be looking to send a message and, and take a big scalp. And they'll see us having lost today, having lost last Thursday, win or lose on Thursday against Rijeka as with this coming Thursday as well. It's going to be a tough game. So they will they will 100% fancy their chances. Well, the message in their dressing room is going to be a very simple one, isn't it? It's prove that you are actually Premier League players. You know, you might have gone down, but here's your chance straight away to demonstrate that uh, you're up for the challenge of uh, playing in a top league and competing against teams in the top flight. So, you know, they were a little a little bit fortunate in their League Cup draw. Uh, they weren't that convincing. I think they, they drew at Peterhead, is that right? And also drew at Cove, maybe? So I don't think they've come on leaps and bounds. They can't be taken lightly. It's not It's not a game for experimentation. It's not a game for... You know, trying out new formations or giving players a chance. It's an important cup game in a tournament that we've got designs on winning. Don't don't bring up the League Cup results, uh, Richard. Guys, if we did that and look at St Mirren's League Cup results, that put the fear right in us for Dundee. <laughs> Absolutely. On the back of that League Cup results by St Mirren, you would have been predicting the worst. But they looked a pretty composed side today. So now, with that being said, that definitely brings us to the end of this week's podcast. An action-packed week so far, just past for the Dons, we've got another action-packed week coming up as well. No rest for us this early in the season. Uh, so all that remains is for me to thank Richard Hay once again. Yep, thank you. I give you permission to officially close this week. <laughs> <laughs> and it's been great having you back, Grant. Um, always a pleasure. Cheers, Martin. It's good to be back. Let's just hope that when we're speaking to you next Monday, we'll, we'll be in the next round of the Europa League and we'll be in the next round of the Betfred Cup. But until then... Come on, you Reds.